Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 44. Genesis chapter 44. We'll begin our reading in verse 18. Then Judah came near unto him, unto Joseph, and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, our father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your younger brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother, uh, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if ye take this also from me, and mischief befalling, ye should bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. It shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, Let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father? Thank God for his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Seek the Lord's blessing. Our Father, we come before you this evening thankful that you've given us yet one more opportunity to have your word open to us, to have your son preach to us. And Father, I beg of you that you not leave us to ourselves this evening, that you not leave me to my own strength and power in preaching, and that you not leave your people alone, not leave us to our own intellect and in, in hearing. Not leave us to our own dead heart to, to believe. But Father, I pray that you would enable me to rightly divide the word of truth, to, to preach your son in his glory, preach him to sinners, that sinners might hear and believe. Father, I pray that you let each one of us here this evening hear this glorious good news of Christ our Savior, who has stood eternally as the surety for his people.
Enable us to believe Him and rest in Him. He is worthy of our trust. And Father, what we pray for ourselves, we pray for your people, wherever they might meet together this evening. Father, you know the state of this world, the world in which we live, even better than we do. But we see how desperately we need your gospel. And I pray wherever it's preached, you cause it to go forth in power for the glory of your great name. And Father, we bring before you those of your people who are in times of, of deep waters, and difficult, difficult times. We pray a special blessing for our sister Peg, that you'd be with her tomorrow, Father. That you'd comfort her and Earl's heart. And that you'd be with the doctors and nurses that treat her. They're treating one of your daughters. Father, I pray you give them wisdom, skill, and compassion. Use them to heal and touch her body, we pray. And Father, we give thanks for Lucy and Jack as they begin their life together. And Father, pray you bless them mightily. And all these things we ask, Father, in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I've titled the message this evening, The Surety Speaks. Now the passage that we just read is Judah. He's speaking to his, doesn't know it, but he's speaking to the ruler, his brother Joseph. He's speaking to him as the surety for Benjamin. Benjamin has been found guilty of stealing Joseph's silver cup, and he's going to have to become a slave in Egypt. Apparently, for the rest of his life, for, for doing this, Benjamin's got to be punished for his crime. And you know, something like this, this was Jacob's greatest fear all along, and letting Benjamin go with his brothers. Jacob felt like he would die of a broken heart if he would not be able to see Benjamin again. You know, Joseph had been Jacob's favorite son, but as far as, as Jacob knew, Joseph had been killed by a wild animal and now that Joseph is gone, now Benjamin is the favorite son. And he's afraid the same thing's going to happen to Benjamin. He's just not going to let Benjamin out of his sight. He just, he couldn't, he couldn't bear losing Benjamin too. But remember, he, you know, he was determined not to let Benjamin go with those brothers. I mean, something bad always happens when these brothers go off, you know, on their own. But now remember, Joseph had told him, unless you bring your youngest brother with you, you won't be able to buy any more corn. You'll starve to death. Look back at a page of Genesis 43. Here's the only reason that Jacob ever let Benjamin go to Egypt with his brothers. It's something that Judah said to his father. In chapter 43, verse 8. And Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. Both we and thou and also our little ones, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Now Judah says, send the lad with me. I'll be surety for him. I will take the responsibility to bring him back and set him at your feet again. All the responsibility is mine. And if I fail to bring him back, you let me bear the blame forever. You see how Judah is saying that as a type of Christ, our surety, don't you? And that word surety, it has three main meanings. First, it means to pledge. 
This is a this was Judas pledged to his father. It's a picture of Christ. Before time began, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he made a pledge to his father that he would redeem all God's elect that the Father gave him to save. He would redeem them from their sin. And he'd bring them all back to God. He'd set them all at God's feet. And the Son said, if I fail to bring even one of them back, let me bear the blame eternally. Now God's going to lose all his glory. The whole Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're going to lose all of their glory if the Son fails to bring everyone the Father gave him to save back to the Father. He made that pledge to his Father. And Ephesians 1 says the Father was the first one to trust, trust the Son. He trusted his Son that he would keep that pledge and bring his elect back to him. So second, the word surety means exchange. Here's how the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed his people, brought them back to God. It's in the great exchange. Christ took the place of his people. He traded places with his people. He was made sin for his people. In exchange, his people were made righteous. That's the great exchange. Christ redeemed his elect by becoming guilty of the sin of his people and sacrificing himself his body and soul, so that God's justice would be satisfied. Now Christ has died. His blood, his death put away the sin of God's people. Now God's elect must be brought back to God. The justice of God demands it because Christ traded places with them in that great exchange. And then third, this word surety means to be mingled with. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is mingled with his people so closely that they are one. He's the head and we're the body, but they're one. He made his people part of his body, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Now this is how Christ our surety brings his people back to God. Whatever it is that happens to Christ our surety happens to his people. And whatever happens to his people happens to Christ. Because they're mingled together because they're one. And after our Lord died, he was buried. He rose again. And about 40 days after that, he ascended back on high. And when he got to heaven, he sat down on the right hand of God. He sat down on the throne. Now all of God's people bodily are going to have to follow him there. Because they're one with him. They're mingled with him. Actually, God's elect are so much one with Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, God's elect are already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You who believe, I hear you say it, but you also sit in heavenly places in Christ because you're one with him. He, that, that's our surety. Now that's what Judah promised Jacob that he would do for Benjamin. That, that was his promise. But uh, you read about Judah's life do you wonder if Judah's going to keep his promise? <laughs> I mean, will he keep his promise and will he be able to keep his promise? You know, Judah did some, some boneheaded things. You know, it's one thing to make a promise, isn't it? It's another thing to keep it. So now, when Benjamin is in real trouble, I mean, he's in trouble. His family's in trouble. Jacob's in trouble. Those boys are all in trouble. They don't want to see their father suffer like this. They're in trouble. 
That's when Judah, the surety, speaks up. Judah puts his money where his mouth is. He does the job of a surety for Benjamin so that Benjamin could go free. Now, I reckon that's a good heartwarming story. Isn't it? But i tell you what's so wonderful in this is a picture of Christ, our surety. Our surety. I've been trying to get my head wrapped around this all day. That the Son of God would be my surety. I mean, that's God's grace. And I want you to notice this too, as we go through this, this story again. It's not recorded here. Benjamin said one single solitary word. Not one. You see, if Benjamin's going to go free, it's not going to be by his doing. It's going to be by the doing of his surety. It's going to be by the pleading of his surety. And if you and I are going to go free from the justice of God, I'm telling you this, it won't be because of anything we said or anything we did. If you and I are going to go free from the justice of God, it's going to be because of what Christ our surety did for us. Now Judah here, he's only, he's just a mere man. He's just a picture of Christ. And I always like to point this out, especially when it's so obvious, I see it. How that Christ is always so much better than the picture. You know, if we were there at that time, we lived at that time, say Judah was a fellow that we knew. Now, like I said a little bit ago, you wouldn't be quite so sure. Is Judah going to keep his promise? I mean, will he? Is he going to keep his word? Well, you don't have to worry about that if you're trusting Christ. If Christ is your surety, he's going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his promise to the Father. I don't care what happens. He'll not let you perish. No matter what, he won't let. He's going to keep his promise. He's going to save all of his people from their sin. And he's going to bring every last one of them home to be with him. In the end, he's going to say, Father, behold, I and the children which God has given me. Especially when... Uh, I try to think about this when I have a, a dear loved one I have confidence that they know the Lord. I always try to think about that and remember that when I have to prepare for their funeral, go to their funeral and uh, say goodbye. It's sad, isn't it? It's sad. I, you know, I wish they could be with me longer. I just, uh, you know, you're never ready, are you? Never ready. But if that loved one of ours was loved of the Lord, you know why their body died? In answer to the surety's prayer, Father, I will that all those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Totally different perspective, isn't it? <laughs> totally different perspective. Well, in our story, Judah is a type of Christ. Benjamin is a type of the believer. And Joseph is a type of the father and his justice. And I want to give you three simple gospel truths 
for you to take home and, and uh, ponder these things in your heart. Number one is this. The whole glory of God depends upon Christ our surety keeping his promise. It's pictured here. Look at verse 22. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. They're, they are so close. If, if he leave his father, our father would die. And look at verse 27. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he's torn in pieces. And I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, you should bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Judah's telling Joseph here, if we don't bring Benjamin home to his father, our father's going to die of a broken heart. And maybe he would have to. I don't know. I kind of think it's possible to do that, don't you? Die of a broken heart. Now the picture here is very, very, very important. Judah said the life of our father is bound up. His whole life is bound up in the life of Benjamin. His life depends on Benjamin's life. His well-being depends on Benjamin's well-being. Our father is so closely tied to Benjamin that if Benjamin dies, our father's going to die. Now here's the picture. All of the glory of God Almighty is bound up in the eternal life of his people. If any, this is a number that no man can number. But if even one of those people are not with the Savior in glory, Almighty God is going to have to step aside and not be God anymore. He'll lose all of his glory. He'd lose his glory because he didn't have the power to save those he purposed to save. He can't be God. He couldn't be God because he wasn't sovereign enough to arrange all the events of providence to make his purpose come to pass. He couldn't be God because if one, he set his love on a people, and if one of those people that the Father set his love upon would perish, the love of God is meaningless. He couldn't save those that he loves. And if even one, even one of God's elect perish, God could not be God because his justice would be meaningless. You know, if God can't save those that he intends to save, he can't damn those he intends to damn either. If he's powerless to save, what gives him the power to cast somebody into hell? If he can't save those that he intended to save, even though his son died for them, son died, he satisfied justice for their sin, and God sends them to hell anyway? Well, that's an unjust judge. Send an innocent man to hell. He can't be God. He, he, an unjust judge cannot be God. He lacks the moral authority to damn the guilty, doesn't he? I mean, those are very, very, very serious ramifications in Christ coming and doing everything that he promised to do. I don't want to get off down a rabbit trail preaching against something. But this is the error in this business of people saying Christ came and died for all mankind. He died for everybody to give you a chance. 
if Christ died for somebody and they go to hell anyway, you see the ramifications of that? You see why this is so deadly? Brethren, the security of our souls depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ doing what he promised to do. Our souls depend upon it and God's glory depends upon it. Well, aren't you glad to know our surety cannot fail? Our surety cannot lie. He can't promise to do something and not do it. No, when he promised to save a people, he's going to save them. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. And he will. He will have them with him in glory. He will. The entire bride will be with the bridegroom in glory. Where you're deep, deep, deep in the valley. And it's dark. And you can't seem to, to see God. You can't seem to, to find Him. You can't, when you call and it seems like He's not answering. I know that's a miserable place to be, but when you're there, you hang on to this. I don't exactly know how the Lord's going to bring you from there to there, but I know He's going to. You hang on to that. You know how this thing's going to end. The bride is going to be with the bridegroom. He's going to see to it. All right, here's the second thing. The surety made this promise a long time ago. In verse 32, Judah says, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, it had to be months and months ago that, that Judah made this, this promise. It's a, a long trip. They didn't make that trip, you know, to Egypt to get corn just to last them for a week, you know. No, I'm sure they got a good, good bit of corn. I mean, 12 or 10 men and how many donkeys? I mean, they carried a lot of food. So this promise was made quite some time ago. But to Judah, this promise is just as fresh and just as meaningful is the day he looked his daddy in the eye and made that promise. It's that important to him. Well, here's the picture. The Lord Jesus Christ made his promise to his father to save his people from their sin. He made that promise a long time ago. He made it so long ago, it was an eternity ago. He made this promise a surety of his people so long ago, it doesn't have a beginning. <laughs> doesn't have a beginning it doesn't have an ending he made this promise before creation save his people from their sin God created Adam put him in the garden and Adam fell just exactly like God purposed for him to do he fell and from Adam to Christ about 4,000 years through 4,000 years of, of human time the human race spent that entire time making a mad dash to hell. All man did was sin. All that was in his heart was sin. Everything that he thought about was sin. Now I know dead is dead. When Adam fell, he died. And I know man's heart has not grown worse. It's not grown I know it's deader a word. Hadn't grown more dead. Deader. Hadn't grown deader from the time that Adam fell. 
But just from my perspective, sure seems like man's grown worse, doesn't he? His actions have grown worse. Listen to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7, 29. He said, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they've sought out many inventions. Man has sought out many inventions. You know what he means there? Man has sought out many inventions, new ways to sin. <laughs> let, let, let's sin on an industrial scale, you know, just like you know the industrial revolution, the steam engine, and let's find ways to sin on an industrial scale. That's what man's doing. But even though that's true, nothing that man did changed God's mind about redeeming his people from their sin. Nothing changed the mind of Christ our Savior to make him say, I'm not going. I'm not going to redeem those people. I'm I'm just not going to do it. His people did not become so sinful and so vile in his sight that they just turned his stomach. And it didn't make him say, I can't be one with those people. I can't be one with them. They're they're filthy. They're vile. Nothing made made him say, even though they're trying to sin on an industrial scale, nothing made him say their debt's too big. I'm not going to suffer that. I'm not going to suffer to pay that. I'm not going to suffer that humiliation. I'm not going to suffer that pain of body and soul. I'm not going to do it. Father, I changed my mind. The Savior has a heart for His people. He would not change His mind. He would not do it. Even when Peter tried to get Him to not go to the cross, what did He say? Get thee behind me, Satan. No, He was determined. Like Judah, I'm going to keep my promise to my Father. He was determined to see God glorified. I mean, wasn't that his prayer? Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had of thee before the world was. He was determined that God would be glorified. He was determined his people would see that glory. He was determined that his people would be redeemed and they'd be given eternal life. And you know why? Because he loved them so much. Even though they're not worthy of him, like Jose going down there and taking him a wife of whoredoms, Gomer. He loved him so much, he came and redeemed him anyway. Now I said all of that to say this. If you trust Christ, you've got a good hope. If you trust Christ, if he's revealed himself to you, if he's given him, given you faith in him, he will never Change his mind. He will never cast you out. You know why? Because his promise of grace is eternal. See, his promise means something. His blood means something. His love means something. If he made a promise to save you, he's going to have you. He's going to have you. I know sometimes, maybe I don't know, I, I was going to say we do. If you're like me, I, I, I think this. I think if God was like me, I'd cast me out. I wouldn't put up with me. I might as well put up with me. This is one of the great things. God's not like us. Aren't you glad? 
He will not cast away his people that he promised to save and that he shed his blood. So he won't do it. All right, here's the third thing. Eventually, the surety has to become the substitute. Verse 33. Judah says, Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. Now here's what Judah is saying. Make me guilty, so you make Benjamin innocent, so he can depart in peace with his brothers. Make me guilty. Make me pay the price. I know what your justice demands. I know what the law says. This law has been broken. This is the penalty that must be paid. Make me pay the penalty. And let Benjamin go free. Now this is such a wonderful picture. This is something that if we get a hold of it, it'll help us. It's one thing for the son to say to the father, let me pay the sin debt of my people. I'll just get out of my wallet and pay it. Last Sunday night, I preached at Todd's Road Grace Church, and, and as we normally do afterwards, Janet and I and our kids, we went out to get a bite to eat. And we got there, and one of my precious daughters, I won't tell you which one, one of my precious daughters, said, I forgot, I forgot my wallet. I forgot any, any, any money. And I said, baby, don't worry about it. I just took out my wallet and I paid for their food. Well, I mean, you know what? They didn't really cost, there's not a lot of skin in that game, is there? I mean, it really wasn't that big a deal. It's one thing for the son to say, Father, I'll pay their debt. It's another thing altogether for the holy son of God to say, Father, make the debt mine. Make me sin for my people. Make me guilty. You can't put an innocent man to death. Father, make me guilty of the sin of my people. Make me feel the shame of it. Make me feel the guilt of that sin. Make it mine. Make it mine so that you cannot look on me in love and favor and mercy. And then, in your wrath, Make me pay for that sin by my cursed death on the cross. That's another thing altogether and getting your wallet out of it. Another thing altogether. But this is the very heart of the gospel. Substitution and satisfaction. Both substitution and satisfaction. If you and I would be saved from our sin, if we would be saved from God's wrath so that God's not angry with you anymore, God's justice has got no... No reason to, to condemn you. There's got to be satisfaction to the law. There's got to be. No matter what we do, you and I can't make satisfaction to God's holiness. We're unholy. We're unjust. We cannot possibly make satisfaction to God's justice. So what do we need? We need a substitute who can. We need a substitute who can satisfy God. And that substitute is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, before the world was created, 
The son promised he would be surety for his people. He promised his father, I'll bear the responsibility. The responsibility is mine. The responsibility for their sin debt is mine. I'll take it, Father. Now Christ the surety made that promise. In eternity. Roughly 4,000 years after Adam fell, Christ came in the flesh and the substitute went to the cross to pay the debt. See, the surety spoke and then the substitute died. See that? Christ is all in me. He's all of our salvation from beginning to end. When Adam fell, have you ever wondered, why, why didn't God just wipe out the whole human race and start over with somebody that wouldn't fall? God didn't wipe out Adam's race because Christ the surety had already promised he's going to save some out of that race. The father already saw them and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He didn't wipe them out because the surety's promise to redeem them. And when this creation is no more, and all of God's elect are going to appear in glory, you know why they're going to appear in glory? Because the substitute came in time and paid the debt he promised to pay. See, the substitute, or the, the surety became the substitute. The Savior said, Father, you have a people. You have a people. Set your love upon them, and it's your purpose to have them brought to you. But they can't come to you the way they are. They can't come to you fallen at them. They, they can't come to you in the filth of their sin. They can't come into your presence guilty of sin and vile like they are. So, Father, make me guilty. And make them innocent. Make me guilty of their sin. So that justice demands I pay the price. See, they can't pay the price, but I can. So make me guilty of it. Make me bear the shame and the guilt and the, of that sin. And let me pay the price. And let them go free. Now, don't let them go free because you overlooked their sin. Let them go free because I made them innocent. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Judah said? But again, now what Christ our Savior said is so much better. You see, if Joseph did what Judah asked, let him stay as a bondman and let Benjamin go free. Really, justice wouldn't have been served, would it? I mean, really, what Joseph would have had to have done is just pretend like Judah's guilty. And he had to pretend like Benjamin is innocent so that Benjamin could go free, but that's not true. Justice would not be served if the innocent, Judah, was punished and the guilty, Benjamin, went, went free. Justice really wouldn't be served. I mean, I know somebody's serving the sentence, but justice really wouldn't be served. When the son told the father, Father, make me guilty. Make my people innocent. That is exactly what happened. The Savior, became guilty and his people became innocent. The son died because the father made him guilty. And God's let go free because the son made him innocent. Now, I know we can't fully understand that. But that's what scripture says. For he, God the father, had made him, God the son, 
made him sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Not just called the righteousness of God in him. Not pretending that they're the righteousness of God in him, but made righteous. Made innocent. You know, for the life of me, I don't understand why people want to say that the scripture doesn't mean what it says. You know, you've heard it. People say, well, it doesn't really mean that. Christ really wasn't made sin. You're not really righteous. Well, you better hope so. <laughs> I tell you, my only hope is the scripture means what it says. Because the only way a guilty sinner can ever be made innocent if the Lord Jesus Christ took our sin into his own body upon the tree and put it away by his sacrifice. That's the only way justice can be satisfied. The only way the Father will ever accept you and me in His presence is if we're innocent. We have to be innocent. We have to be righteous. The only way we can be righteous and innocent is if Christ's blood washed away our sin. See, it's all because of Christ. It's because the surety spoke and He became our substitute. And He did what He came to do. Now, Lord willing, this is what we're going to see next week. After the surety speaks, after the surety becomes a substitute, Joseph finally had to reveal himself to his brethren. He revealed himself. I mean, have you ever put yourself in Joseph's shoes? Hmm. I'm telling you. Um. Unless the Lord really did something, old Frank wouldn't be doing what Joseph was doing. I mean, I'm just telling you the fight through. After everything that his brothers did to him, after his years of suffering, after his years, even after he came to the throne, his years of not seeing his father anymore, not being home anymore, he reveals himself in love and mercy and grace to his brothers. And it's because of the surety because the surety spoke. It broke his heart. And when Christ reveals himself to us, and this is why we always preach Christ. It's always him. It's always Christ and him crucified. Because it's that preaching that Christ uses to reveal himself to his people. And you know when he, how he reveals himself to his people? He speaks as the surety. He speaks as the surety to our hearts. Saying your debt's mine. Now don't you worry. Your debt's mine. I loved you so much. I sacrificed myself for you. He reveals himself to you. As the surety. And the substitute. That's my prayer. For us tonight. All right, Let's bow together. Our father. How we thank you for this. Glorious glorious picture. Of Christ our surety. Our substitute. How we thank you that one is glorious and wonderful as your own son would stand as surety for sinful men and women like we are. And that he would become our substitute. That he would take the sin of his people into his own precious body on the tree and put that sin away by sacrifice. And he'd reveal himself his people through the gospel. That he'd comfort and instruct and encourage the hearts of his people by the preaching of him. 
who he is, what he's done for his people. Father, how we thank you. Father, I pray you take your word as it's been preached tonight and apply it to our hearts. Father, use it to reveal yourself to those who are lost. Use it to comfort the hearts of your suffering people. Use it to strengthen and encourage the the hearts of your people as we struggle through this long journey here below. Use it to cause us to be pointed to Christ and see him and find joy and happiness for our hearts. For it's in his precious name, for his glory's sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.